following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I'm on. Okay. Well, welcome. Um, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, just a reminder uh, for those of you who are not aware, we are um, we are gathering in uh, masks optional. So um, that's uh, an opportunity for us to exercise love towards one another uh, because we're not all in the same place on that. So um, when we uh, just a reminder to deal with each other in kindness and love. I I feel like I've been at the middle school because we hear this over and over and over again. Be kind to one another. Don't forget to be kind. Don't, don't forget to be kind. Be kind. So, I will remind you. Be kind. Okay? Um, so, um, well, we're back to First Peter. And I, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy Peter's use of metaphor um, in, this, in this letter. Um, I especially like the metaphor he uses in our text this morning of house building and construction materials. Um, I'm built to build, right? So this really resonates with me, putting things together. Uh, so we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8 this morning, and that's page 1014 in the Pew Bibles. Um, and we're going to examine some biblical building materials and also a Wiley Coyote reference for those of you who are keeping track. Okay, so let's look. First Peter 2, starting at verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture... Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Let's pray. Father God, as we gather uh, together in your name this morning around your word, gathered as a family, your family, we pray, Lord, that you would speak specially to us this morning. We thank you for the gift of your word. We pray that you would help us to mature as disciples uh, as a result of our time together in your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak and our ears would be open, and our hearts would be soft, and you would be glorified. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to set the stage for this passage in Peter, I'd actually like to begin with a short passage in Matthew. Um, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there are two reasons for bringing up this particular passage involving Jesus and Peter. Uh, one is that my hope is to alleviate some confusion caused by the Catholic Church and the Pope about the Pope and to point out uh, some biblical construction methods. That's my hope number two. Firstly, uh, I just want to clarify, the Catholic Church has taught for centuries, based on this passage in Matthew, that the rock upon which Jesus will build his church was Peter. And nothing could be further from the truth. They make Peter the first pope. Now, I've been to Israel in the place where this confession took place. And there is, there's a chapel built there because that's what the church did to protect sites like that. They would build a chapel on top of it. Uh, to preserve it. Um, and in that chapel, there is a painting of, of this event, of Jesus and Peter. Uh, and the painting started with Peter. And every time there's a new pope, they paint his face over Peter. So it, like just a, just a real easy breezy reading of the Bible that uh, just doesn't make sense. Um, so anyway, in case you're wondering, this teaching is completely wrong. Wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Okay, get it? It's, it's why they call us Protestants, right? We are protesting. I am pro. Why are you laughing? That's really it. <laughs> That's really where it came from. The rock upon which Jesus promised to build his church is not Peter. It is the confession found in verse 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is the bedrock that the church is built on. The fact that Jesus is the Christ, nothing to do with Peter. Nothing to do with popes. Everything to do with Jesus. The confession of Jesus Christ as Lord is the Petra, the bedrock that Jesus promised to build his church upon. What does that mean? That means that you can't be part of Christ's church without believing in Christ. You can't be in God's church without confessing that Jesus is Lord. That's how it works. It's not just showing up. It's not just paying a tithe. It's not just putting your name on the offering, on the, uh, the membership rolls. No. When we confess 
that Jesus is Lord, when we confess faith in him and receive his forgiveness and salvation, that's how we are made part of the church. And that's how we are built together as living stones, as Peter talks about here. There's no other entrance into Christ's divine building except by faith in Jesus. And I also bring up this passage in Matthew because this this must have been Peter's favorite metaphor, and he's named after it, right? His name was Simon, um, and Jesus gave him the name Peter. Why? I, I can't imagine why this wouldn't be his favorite picture. But he wasn't the first to use it, as we can see clearly in our passage itself um, in First Peter 2. But I'm sure it didn't hurt his feelings at all to mention it in his letter. Um, also, so let's go back to our passage in First Peter now that we understand what the bedrock that the building is built on. Peter begins with the phrase in in First Peter two, verse four. He says, "As you come to him, as you come to him." Now, to be clear, this um, Peter's meaning here is not uh, as you come to him for the first time, as you come to faith in Christ. That's not his meaning here at all. Um, It's not when we first come, but rather as we continually come to him, as we draw near to him day by day in prayer and fellowship with him. Now, in the Greek, the verb uh, come is in the present tense. It's not as you came to him or when you will come to him. It's as you are continually coming to him. Uh, it is it is continual. Now, again, remember that Jesus is uh, Peter is writing to uh, Jewish believers right for the first time. So this idea of coming to God uh, is especially uh, poignant to them because under the old covenant, which is what they were brought up under, the the priests were the one who came near to God, not not just anybody. If you weren't a Levite, you couldn't get the job. Right? You could have a great resume, but if Levite wasn't the first thing on your list, sorry, you're, you're, uh, you're out of luck. Uh, the German theologian Weisinger wrote, Under the Old Covenant, Yahweh had his house and priests who served him in his house. The church fulfills both purposes under the New Covenant, being both his house and his holy priesthood. Now, Peter continues with this picture of holy priesthood of believers later in this chapter, and we'll work, uh, we'll work on that much more um, uh, soon uh, when we get there. But for now, we can simply state that believers in Jesus Christ, like priests, are chosen and consecrated by God cleansed by the blood of Christ and anointed by the Holy Spirit to offer spiritual sacrifices for themselves. So we are all priests. The priesthood of believers is a major tenet of our faith, whether you knew that or not before you came today. You are priests to God. I think that's cool because that means uh, though you're as far as I'm aware, not Levites, um, you still get to come to God 
you still get to draw near to God on a continual basis, not just at 937 on Sunday morning, right? Because we blew that by at least five minutes, right? You can continually come to God and offer spiritual sacrifices for yourself. But what does that mean exactly? Paul uses this same picture in Romans 12, verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, which is your genuine worship. Offering our bodies as living sacrifices. So, as you come to him as new covenant priests, to the living stone that was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I, I don't want to preach next week's sermon, but this, this, the beauty of offering our bodies as living sacrifices as holy priests, because we are believers in Jesus Christ, what is it that we offer? What, what, what does it mean to offer your body as a living sacrifice? It means everything you've got. So next week's sermon should be short. Just bring it all. So let's look at this rejected by men and chosen by God. Jesus Christ was rejected by men. He came to his own people and his own people knew him not. And again, we'll deal with this a little bit later. Peter calls Jesus a living stone. A living stone. And the word for stone is not the same word that um, Jesus used in Matthew. Um, It's not the same as rock. That's what Peter was named after. Uh, Petra is bedrock. Peter uses the word lithos, which means, um, you're not going to believe this, stone. (laughs) Either a natural stone or a shaped stone, like up on the screen. Peter quotes Isaiah 28:16, who was the first to use this picture, when he says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Again, that's 700 years or so before Jesus was born. Jesus is the living cornerstone of the church. Now, as a as a person that likes to build things, this is, this is a great picture. I'm not a stonemason, but cornerstones are very important in uh, stone masonry. Uh, as, as a stone, Jesus is firm, not hard or harsh, but absolutely reliable and true. The cornerstone of a building sets the lines for plumb and level and square. And everything is built off of that. So if the cornerstone is off, if this cornerstone isn't square, the whole building is its just going to be pronounced. When, when, uh, when building something, if you make a small error over here and that line carries out over here, it's a big error. Okay? That's, that's important. Uh, and so for those of you who put things together like that, uh, Maybe that resonates a little bit more with you. 
Jesus is absolutely reliable and true. He sets the lines of plumb, level, and square for his building the church. But he's also living. And by the, just by nature of being living, he is alive and makes alive other living stones for his magnificent spiritual house. And again, that's, to me, a, it's a beautiful picture that just contact with the living stone makes other stones alive as well. He is alive and life-giving. Because he is God's chosen and precious cornerstones, as living stones ourselves, according to Peter, connected to him by faith, we are built into his spiritual house. And we can be assured an eternal state of grace and salvation and life. That's wonderful. I actually bristle when anybody calls this building the Lord's house. Like, so this is a, I mean, it's a house-like shaped thing that belongs to the Lord. Yep. But the problem I have with the picture is that that's the Lord's house because that's where he lives and we go to visit him once a week. You know, to make sure it's not lonely there. Um, so this is a much more accurate picture. And sorry to everybody who calls this the Lord's house. And now you're wondering what to call it. The church building is fair. <laughs> we are the house. The, now I'm going to screw it up. The church. <laughs> right now I've got you all fouled up. The church, capital C, the people. It's, it's got nothing to do with, with actual bricks and mortar and, and studs and sheetrock. It's people. We are, we are the building. And because we are connected to Christ and built into this spiritual house, we can always know we have a place, that we have assurance of our salvation, that we're, once you're in there, you don't get pulled out. You're there. We can be assured an eternal state of grace and salvation, forgiveness and belonging. And I think that's beautiful. I've had the great privilege of visiting the, um, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And the only part of the wall of the temple that we could visit was the western wall, or the, you may have heard of it, the Wailing Wall. Um, this is, it's quite a place. It's, it's, the, it's the only place where the Jews are allowed to go in the Temple Mount. The, top, the, the Temple Mount, the top of it, and the other three sides are all controlled by the Muslims. And so the Jews aren't, they're not allowed in there for any acts of worship. They'd, they'd really like that. If you're wondering what all the bombing and stuff is going on in Israel and what all the fighting over land is all about, it's, it's for that spot. That's what it's all about. Because it's so important to, to both groups. Anyway, when, when I was at Bix, we went to the Western Wall, to the Wailing Wall. Um, 
And the walls of the Temple Mount that make up the, the flat area where the temple was built, where the Dome of the Rock sits today, which actually started as a Byzantine church and then was taken over by the Muslims. It's a very complicated story. Anyway, the, 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 the walls of the Temple Mount, the stones of that wall are huge. They, they're just massive limestone blocks that are so tightly fitted together that you can barely squeeze a piece of paper in between the rocks. And that's what they do. They'll write their prayers on a slip of paper and they'll curl it up as small as they can get it and jam it into the cracks of those rocks. I'm not sure exactly the significance of that. Keeping their prayer there, making it last, I I don't know. But that's what they do. And just like these stones up on uh, the screen here, they are so tightly fitted together. And I mean, working with wood, that's really hard to get. And wood, compared to stone, wood works pretty easy. (laughs) But getting those tight fitting joints is just unimaginable. These massive stones needed to be quarried and shaped so they could be properly fitted together. Now, there's a metaphor all on its own for us as living stones joined together in God's spiritual house that we're quarried out of some place, pulled up out of some pit, and then continually worked and squared off and chiseled until we can be put into our place in God's building and we are joined together in love by the grace of God the Father. And those massive stones in that temple mount, they, they rely on each other. You can't put the stones on the top until you put the stones on the bottom. That's just not how it works. The stones rely on one another to support one another in their grand structure And not one of those stones, this is, hear this, not one of those stones makes up the temple by itself. Do you hear that? There there is no one stone temple. There is no one stone church. Like I'm, it's just me and Jesus and I'm good. No, we need the church. We need each other. We need to be connected. We need to be uh, supporting of one another. None of us is a church unto ourselves. Those stones need each other, and Christ's church is no different. The church is God's spiritual house, built by Jesus on the good confession that Jesus is Lord. That's the foundation. And its lines are set by Jesus, the cornerstone. Literally in Greek, the head of the corner. Setting the lines. He is chosen and he is precious. He is chosen to set the lines and the boundaries of the building to which he is continually adding more and more living stones. More and more disciples of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we think of the church as built. We're just kind of waiting. You know, come on, Lord, 
When's the day, right? Roll back them clouds. Blow that trumpet, you know? What if the back L hasn't been added yet, right? God is continually adding living stones to his building, and he's not going to stop until the building is complete. And that's his, that's his work. And he does that through us. He does that through the church. He adds living stones through the living stones that are already there. And when we share our faith in Jesus, that's exactly what we're doing. Making disciples of all nations. There are two functions of Jesus Christ, the living stone. The first is to function as the life-giving cornerstone of the church, as we've been talking about. But the second is a different kind of stone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Those who believe in him will never be put to shame. Uh, Depending on how old your translation is uh, that you use, you may have... Uh, those who believe in him will never hasten, which is a funny word. Um, both don't really hit it on the button because English is dumb. But the literal meaning here is those who believe in him, those who trust in him, will never have to run away like cowards who have thrown down their arms and fled the battle. I think our translators just aren't that wordy because like that's literally what it means. Ah! They will not have to hasten away from the battle in shame. That's that's the picture. If you trust in him, you can stand your ground. We have a strong and sure defender and we need not be ashamed. We need not run away. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. There's good news. Good news without bad news is just news. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Now listen to Jesus' word on this same Old Testament scripture from Matthew 21, uh, 42 to 44. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And if it falls on anyone, it will crush him. You know who the people were that were producing its fruits? Gentiles. Us. The kingdom was taken away from the builders. It's this last statement that is so troubling, or at least it should be. This is Jesus' word on the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. Now, a stumbling stone is a fairly straightforward picture. It's a rock you trip over and fall. 
Easy. When you fall, you fall to pieces. But the rock of offense is a little more difficult. This is not just a rock that is offensive. There are plenty of those. Like hairband rock is offensive. Sorry. Some things should be kept to yourself. I'll write that down. The rock of offense. This is the Wiley Coyote reference. Probably something else I should keep to myself. A rock of offense is, again, a, just a funny translation of a trap where a rock is propped up by a stick in order to trap an animal. Notice, so those of you who are familiar with Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, this trick has been tried before. That's all I can see in my mind is a giant red rock with a stick under it. Wiley Coyote pulls a stick from a string, and then the stick doesn't fall down on the roadrunner, but it always falls on him because that's just life. As now dumb as that sounds that I say it out loud, that's exactly what it means. This is literally a snare to trap animals by squashing them with a rock. That's what a rock of offense is. That's what Peter meant. That's what Jesus meant. That's why Jesus said, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. That's exactly what it means. Rejection of Christ means the rock is going to squish you. This rock of offense doesn't mean that those who reject Jesus will just be offended. It means that they will be crushed and destroyed. Ruin and misery await those who reject Jesus. As Peter say, says, they disobey the word, meaning the gospel, not the whole Bible, the gospel. They disobey the gospel by not believing and they stumble as those who reject Jesus Christ as Lord are destined to do. It doesn't mean that they are uh, necessary. Uh, this is room for argument. I don't believe this means they're destined to reject him and so they will stumble. It means, in my view, they reject him and they are destined to stumble because of it. Does that make sense? Not like God has appointed them for crime. And so, therefore, we'll punish them. I don't believe that's what he means at all. Means there is consequences for their choice to reject Jesus. All those who reject Jesus Christ as Savior will, without fail, one day face him as their judge. And that's the standard of judgment. Did you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Yes or no. And that's it. I pray that that is not you. I pray that you will not be crushed by the rock of offense. I pray that you have not rejected God's free offer 
of forgiveness through faith in Jesus. But if that is you at this point, you don't have to stay that way. Praise God for his marvelous grace. You can still come to him for forgiveness. You can still turn from your sin and trust your life to him. And he will make you a living stone and add you into his marvelous spiritual house that he is building, the church. And for those of us who belong to Christ, as you come to him continually through prayer, fellowship with him, a living stone who was rejected by men but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices of yourself. Sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who did not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so in awe of your building, of your design and plan. We thank you for Jesus, our cornerstone, who has set the lines for plumb and level and square, that we might be built together as a spiritual house, fitted together as living stones. What a beautiful picture, Lord. I thank you for this picture. It really resonates with my heart. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would quicken these words to, our, to all of our hearts. We would understand that we are, we are designed to be built together through faith in Jesus, not to just put our trust in you and then go it alone from here on out. Lord, I pray that you would continue to draw your church together, to count on one another, to support one another, to be fitted together as a spiritual house, that we might all offer sacrifices to you that are acceptable and holy as your holy priesthood. Another wonderful picture. Lord God, we are so thankful. Lord, if there are anyone, if there is anyone within the sound of my voice that has not put their trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, I pray that even now they would ask for your forgiveness and they would give their lives to you. Turn away from their sin, reject their sin, and accept your offer of salvation and forgiveness and adoption as a child of God. Be glorified in your church this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.